As hilarious as that music may sound, it is not how I want to kick off my podcast. Welcome to the Michael Aldred Comedy Podcast. It's going to be so much fun where he makes humor of himself and the many things in New York City. Oh, and by the way, this is not the voice of Bruno. Guys, I've done something kind of crazy today, which is... I recorded two podcasts. That's how much I love doing this. Uh, I'm sober now. Uh, it's later in the night. It's a few hours later. In fact, it's, what, almost midnight, it looks like. Um, but I had a great conversation with my um, longtime friend, Scott Ludhauser. Um, Scott and I played football together. Uh, we went to middle school together, went to high school together, and stayed in touch over the years. You know, we're obviously brothers um, because, you know, we've been through... You know the football, the football journey uh, together, and um, I'm excited to share uh, a conversation that we that we had um, in catching up, and hopefully you guys enjoy it, uh, and hopefully you've uh, you're not sick of hearing my voice uh, with all with all this extra with the du- with the twofer that I'm giving you here, the double podcast, the back to back gammon, back to back, back to ga- back to back gammon. All right. Enjoy. The the closet is now vacuum sealed, and we are on the air, my friend. Fantastic. <laughs> the, uh, the closet. Yeah, Scott Ludhauser in the house, baby. How we doing? How you doing, my friend? I'm doing great, man. I cannot complain. I have good things going on in life at the moment. Yeah. I can I can tell both from catching up with you and Facebook, uh, guys. Uh, you know, Scott is a uh, a father, um, and um, he's got a he's got a young one at home, uh, a young boy, and um, baby boy and a beautiful wife. Yes, sir. Look at your your. Uh, you're doing real well, Scottis. I'm. Uh, I have no children and no wife right now. <laughs> so, okay. <laughs> no, no reason to rush it, man. It happens. It, it all falls into place. That's kind of the concept we took. We just kind of went with the flow. We did what we wanted to do, and it, uh, it worked out perfectly. Well, I think it's fantastic, man. I'm really happy for you, uh, and. I'm glad that we can uh, can kind of knock this out, dude. It's been, uh, you know, I know that we got some busy lives, but um, so you said things are going well. What's the latest? Anything specifically? I know you had a, uh, some time with the family today. Um, yeah, uh, just work, uh, profession. I'm kind of, I'm, I'm trying to advance myself. Um, eventually, I want to be an administrator, get into leadership roles uh, within school districts. Uh, recently, I just interviewed for a summer school administration job and got that so i kind of got my foot in the door as far as administration goes so i'm moving in the right direction as far as career choices that's awesome dude look at you investing in your in yourself and in your career that's uh that's how you do it right there scott you're putting weight on the bar you know yes it's like we're uh it's like doing um, squats metaphorically, but for your career. <laughs> yes, exactly. Speaking it's of great, that, great uh, concept progress, progression at its finest. Yeah, man. I think it'd be fun to talk a little bit about uh, 
go go back in the day for a second. Um, you know, Scott and I played football together um, all the way from the beginning of uh, of Eureka football time. Which uh, what I mean by that is we start our the first Eureka football tackle team started in seventh grade when we were in school. Um, so Lute and I uh, we were we were kind of the the um, well we were teammates. And we both were actually. You want to know? I don't know if I ever told you this, Scott. So, Doctor Ralph, Doctor Mike Ralph, who was our team physician and coach in middle school, um, he was one of the coaches along with Terry Steve, my favorite coach of all time, my favorite head coach. I got to be careful because uh, my my favorite football head coach of all time, Coach Lamison, is him and Coach Lamison are my two favorite coaches of all time. Anyway, yeah. um, so. I, w- I thought I was going to be the running back uh, going into Wildcat seventh grade football. Um, you know, I, I can't. I, Dustin and I played for the Falcons Rockwood Summit in sixth grade because Eureka didn't have a team. Um, Dustin was the only kid I knew when I moved to Missouri that played football. So I immediately became him and I became friends. We really connected. He was playing at Bonham, I think, back when. You know, Bonham had a team, or maybe they still do. I don't know. Um, but he's like, "Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go play for this team called Summit." So I was like, "Yeah, dude, count me in." Uh, and I remember seeing Doctor Ralph. I, maybe I went in for a doctor's appointment or something. I can't even remember what it was. Maybe a physical. And I was like, "Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to uh, playing Eureka football and running the ball." You know? And he's like, "Oh, we're probably gonna have uh, this this other guy do it." <laughs> That sounds exactly like Dr. Ralph. I love Dr. Ralph because he is blunt and he's straightforward. He will never cut corners on you. Yeah, I'm like, what the? That's the great part of him and his profession as a doctor. You know what I mean? Like, that personality is perfect for what he does. Yeah, well, you gotta be, right? You gotta be blunt and straightforward. Um, Yes. You know, and, and objectively honest, right? Uh, you can't be sugarcoating stuff if you want to get anywhere in life, including, you know, when you're assessing your own like skills and credentials and whatever it is. Um, so anyway, he told me that, and I was like, "What the what the heaven, Doc Ralph?" <laughs> it's like, "What do you mean? Who, who's this Scott guy?" You know? He's like, "Yeah, he's a big kid. He's a strong kid. Uh, we're really excited uh, about him taking on the premier position." Which is the I back in Eureka football terms. We're, we've always been a power, a running powerhouse football team. You know, things have changed over the years since we graduated. They've kind of been running Missouri's West Coast offense, or not West Coast, but just more of a passing. Anyway, we don't need to get into that. Nevertheless, though, that's how I that's how I first um, became aware of you, Scott. I, did you know that? Uh, I don't think so. I didn't. I, I knew that's where we met. Was how we kind of blossomed our uh, friendship was through football and those middle school years but I did not know that was how you were introduced to me yeah yeah so I I, I didn't like that when I first heard that from Dr. Ralph but um, you carried the mail man and I love I mean obviously we have some great memories seventh grade football and eighth grade football well even after that of course but with with Terry Steve specifically um, those were some great some great times and you know I was playing Z-back at the time which is not your lead blocker but like your kickout blocker essentially um and 
you had some some amazing runs, man. You took it to the house pretty often, dude. And yeah, it's uh, a good time. We, we had a lot of fun. Yeah. I think I was uh, I think I was already fully grown at that point, so I think I managed to Physically. <laughs> yes, and then once we hit high school, everybody caught up or progressed beyond my my growth potential. Well, we. Uh, Regardless, we, uh, you know, we switched positions over the years and, and whatnot um, and, you know, found where we could create different value. You know, you know, obviously different players coming in, positions get rotated around based on what the new offense and, you know, just it was cool. We got to create value for the team in different ways, um, you know, and uh, yeah, Lute's one of the tough guys. Ladies and gentlemen, I wouldn't have him on this on this podcast if he wasn't a a good friend of mine, and also uh, I got a lot of respect for you. Um, not to make this thing all sappy, sorry. We should just like talk about Jeff it. Steve. There's nothing wrong with it. Say yeah. Jeff Steve. <laughs> yeah. There's, yeah, that is not sappy. That is the opposite. Enlightenment. Yeah, Jeff Steve. Okay, so Jeff Terry Steve was our football head coach in seventh grade, and that's how we got to know Jeff. Um, Terry Steve played in the NFL for I think it was seven or nine years. I know he played for the St. Louis Cardinals when they were there for like seven years, and then he played for the Saints. Um, and he was number sixty-eight. Played with Dan Deerdorf uh, when when Dan was with the Cardinals, and you know Coach Steve was just such you know he uh, the quick summary is. Some people you, some people that are leaders you follow because you respect them and you don't want to let them down, and they rule by love, like gladiator essentially. You know Maximus, Coach Steve yes. was the gladiator slash Maximus of head football coaches of of really any coach that I've I've ever had. He had their credentials. He loved the game. I, we loved him. We never wanted to lose because we didn't want to let him down. We weren't afraid of it, but we... That's how I felt, at least. I don't want to put words in your I mouth. Com- I completely feel the same way. Um, you know what a great comparison is, actually? I was watching a movie today, and um, it ties in, actually, to your last podcast. Keanu Reeves is in it. It's uh, The Replacements. Oh, yeah. With, um, with Gene Hackman. And Coach Steve reminds me of Gene Hackman in that movie where he's just... Uh, man that's been well known he's prestigious as far as coaching goes or just overall just as a human being and uh, there's one play in particular where, he, where Keanu Reeves character Shane Falco throws the ball and hits the guy in the head because he's been beating him up all game and it turns into a touchdown because of, of his lineman catching it and they end up scoring off of it and uh, Gene Hackman's character when Shane Falco gets off the field, tells him maybe we should put that play in. <laughs> so like he just took a positive out of something that was completely nonsense, and he he just molded his men into kind of rallying underneath of him. He don't he always used positive influences or positive conditioning with uh, with his players. I, I love I love your take on that man, especially the Keanu Reeves reference. I even talked about him. Earlier today, <laughs> again, I was talking no, about the movie. Great. I was talking about the movie. Constant. Hates him. I don't know why. What, what is that? I said my wife hates him. I don't know why, but she can't stand him. I think it's his kind of dry personality. 
There's a lot of people in the acting artistic world that are haters on him. Not, I'm not lumping your wife into this as far as the opinion we, we goes. We totally should. She's a hater. Well, of the the actors out there don't like that he just plays himself. They think he's like a one-dimensional actor. But I personally, that's my preferred style. Like, if I'm ever in movies, which, you know, that's what I'm working toward, right? Knock on wood. Um, yeah. That's how I would want to be. I just want to be myself, you know, and, um, you know, be put, have me, like, in different scenarios. I mean, I think it's awesome. No, nothing's better than who you really are, you know? Of course. So, I mean, I think that's how things, you're going to get furthest in life by doing things naturally. Because eventually there's going to be a slip up. Um, if you fake it, Eventually, there's going to be an issue where, whether it's integrity, um, just a, a characteristic flaw that might occur because you weren't in your natural habitat, so to speak. I agree. You, you know, if you're if you're just doing an act all the time, or a facade, you can outgrow your act. And yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know if I can even. I affirm what you say. I agree with what you say, man. You know, it, it's. Um, if you're always yourself, you don't have to worry about anything. I mean, I've obviously made mistakes, so things could, like, come up in the future from my life that, you know, I would be like, oh, man. But, you know. In the end, all you, all you have to do, you, you make mistakes, you just got to take ownership. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. There's, there's a podcast where I follow Jocko Willink. I don't know if you know who he is. No. He's a, he's a Navy SEAL. Um, I recently got back into Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. He's a big Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu guy. But on his podcast, he talks about taking ownership. Uh, he's actually got a book that I'm proud of reading. It's called Extreme Ownership. And it's um, Navy SEAL implemented strategies that he puts into like leadership, the leadership world. And that's what he talks about is just when you when you mess up, you, you got to take credit for it. You got to take credit when you're successful. You got to take credit when you mess up. Yep. Yep. And, you know, owning up to the things that are true. And, and also, I think, if it's not true, being honest about that as well, right? I think it's important. Yes. Honesty honesty is, is key with that ownership, I think. Um, but I definitely agree. Like, if you made a mistake, you, you need to own up to it. Um, on a, Maybe I'll do a podcast where I just own up to, like... <laughs> All the deeds that I've done that I, it's like a, a podcast confession. <laughs> that'd, be, that'd be very interesting. Do those exist? Maybe you're on to something. Maybe you're, maybe you're honestly setting a trend right now. Yeah. <laughs> the, the podcasting world. I, it's like, hey guys, I'm gonna get, all, I'm gonna air all my dirty laundry now so that nothing can come up later that that at least I'm aware of. When you're you know? successful, yeah. So you uh, don't have to worry about it. It's like auditing your books before you get. It's like um, getting ready for a tax audit. Uh, you know, like yes. getting getting ready to be famous is like you gotta. It's like getting ready for an audit. You gotta have all the books ready to go and everything aired out. <laughs> Precisely, yeah. Um, Nothing on the table. <laughs> but um, yeah, dude, that's awesome. Um, and I feel I. I mean, obviously, I haven't. Uh, you know, since we were teammates, um, I think it's obvious that I've never been like one of your athletes. But I imagine. Yeah just knowing you that you're the same type of coach that we always have loved, you know, like the Grimshaws, the, the coach Cleveland's, the Lamisons, the, 
the Terry Steves, those, I'm, and when I don't mention others, it doesn't mean that they don't have that, but those are the first ones that immediately come to my mind that, like, embody, like, love of the game, love of the athletes, and being a, an uplifting person, a positive presence that goes beyond the sport. You know, and everyone will maybe have their different viewpoints or personal favorites, um, but I imagine that you would be that type of coach. Yeah, I try to, uh, over the last couple of years, I've been coaching, I'm in my seventh, I just finished my seventh year of coaching football, and this year I really tried to take time to remove negative emotions. So, like, if something went wrong, whether it's a drill and a kid just doesn't grasp the concept, maybe they weren't paying attention, maybe there was a, a girl running the track, and he just gets distracted while we're doing drills. With those kinds of things, I just I try to turn it into something positive rather than dog cussing a kid, which I don't do anyways. I mean, my kids know that I'm notorious for trying to keep a clean filter around them because I don't want them doing it to me. So I have to kind of model the same philosophy to them. But I think positive reinforcement goes a lot further the older I've gotten. And I don't want to say I'm not getting soft. I don't think the kids are necessarily getting soft. I just think that positive reinforcement has a lot more effect on somebody than continuous negative reinforcement. I agree, man. I agree. It's, I mean, and, you know, and everyone has a different personality. Some kids respond differently to different types. But for me, I, I completely identify with that, promote it, and need that in a coach you know yeah um so i think that's awesome i'm sorry no no i I was just gonna say i don't want my kids to fear me good because when there's when there's fear then there's it it leaves a lot of things out of the equation maybe they don't want to ask a stupid question which there's not really a stupid question yeah. I, I just don't want, I don't want them to never miss out on an opportunity to get better, better themselves, and maybe even better me. Maybe it's a question that I needed to hear. Um, maybe it's a question I don't know the answer to, so I need to go find the answer for them. Man, um, I can see why we're friends, Scott. <laughs> when we talk philosophy like this, I can see why we're friends, because uh, I couldn't agree more. You know, the whole fear-based coaching and, and the the power and, and the power of positivity in coaching. I mean, yeah, you know, Coach Steve, like, we went undefeated. I, I think that's worth saying. Our, our first year playing in seventh grade when we were playing together, we, yeah. went, we went undefeated that year. And, you know, Coach Steve made a, a point to talk about how rare that is. You know, he'd, he'd played over, you know, maybe two decades worth of football. I don't know how many years total he played, but it was a lot of years. He went to Bear, you know, he went to Wisconsin. He was a Badger. Um, but he said how rare it was to have an undefeated season uh, and how special that is and what it means. And our last game that year was under the lights. I don't know if you remember, but it was the night Walter Payton died. Do you remember that? Yeah. Yes, I do. And he talked about... Um, I didn't know who Walter Payton, I had heard the name, but that night before the game, Coach Steve said, tonight we're going to play for, um, he said, you know, like, do you remember the exact, or, or basically he honored Walter Payton. He, I remember him talking about him being a great competitor in person. Um, I don't remember, obviously that was 
half a lifetime ago. Yeah. Actually, a little bit more. But I just remember when he was talking about it, you could tell how sincere he was. Because I was on the same page as you. Like, I knew football, but I didn't know a lot of the guys that played the game. Yeah, especially like you have before the us. That, that you do nowadays. It's so hard. To, like, you basically had to go find a book to even. You'd have to go read a book about Walter Payton or about football or about football grades to, to understand who he actually was. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I, 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 that's that's the effect I had too. Is that the way he talked about Walter Payton kind of stopped me in my tracks? Um, you know, because again, we we really respected. He earned the respect of his words mattered, right? Yeah, and. Coach Steve's not a bullshitter. He's not going to sit here and play mind games with kids and like make stories up to try and motivate them. He's going to shoot you with the truth. So when he talked about Walter Payton in the way he did, it re- it had an effect on me in wanting to to know more about him, which you know I I ended up seeking that out. You know, um, yeah. but uh, we played for Walter Payton that night. We won. It was a game against Rockwood Summit. That was a big you know big rivalry for us. Yeah. Um, and yeah, man, that's, uh, that's good stuff, Lute. So yeah, you, you, uh, staying in shape? Um, yeah, man, I'm, uh, I'm down about almost 50 pounds since last April. A good, a good 50 pounds. Wow. I was walking around almost 250 pounds. Um, I got, I got back into Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. I kind of dabbled in it in college when I finished my football career as a, as a player. Okay. And I dabbled in it for about a year, got really heavily involved in rugby because it yeah. transitioned really well from football. So it clicked right away. Um, and then recently, uh, my location kind of got me away from the whole rugby scene. Plus I had a child. So fatherhood requires a little more, time management yeah um, there's actually a gym right down the road from me uh, that practices Brazilian jiu-jitsu um, and if, if nobody knows what it is it's it's kind of a concept of wrestling with uh, or grappling with submission locks and chokes yeah um, um, but it's good stuff man I, I haven't lifted weights in a couple months now but I'm going to re-implement it because obviously strength is a big point. And I think most athletics, the stronger you are, I think it can only benefit you. Yep. I don't think anybody who's weaker is going to have an advantage over somebody else. But yeah. It, it's been a great time, man. It, it's very humbling. Um, it, as a competitor, I really enjoy it. Do you compete? Yeah, I've, I've done two tournaments. I, Actually, I've done three tournaments. I took second in the Missouri State Championships a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> um, that was a great experience. Wow. I learned a lot from it. Uh, I, although I lost the final match, um, it was a great experience. It was really eye-opening, and it kind of exposed my game to me a little bit and what I need to work on. Dude, that's um, awesome. It's, and honestly, it's not about the competition. It's it's just the sport itself or the the martial art itself is um, very enriching just in all aspects of life honestly and I actually wanted to talk to you about it Uh, maybe you giving it a dad because I know you're um, what what do you practice Wing Chun yeah Wing Chun 
there's a bunch of really good schools in New York City. Henzo Gracie's got one. Marcelo Garcia, like, he's considered one of the best to ever do it. Um, they got a couple schools up there. There's probably tons of other schools in New York City, but it's yeah. definitely something I think everybody should try. It might not be for everybody, but I think it is something that everybody should at least give a chance. Well, I love uh, the fact that you're sharing that. Um, you know, I... Uh... You know, I I personally have. Uh, do you, do you use weapons at all? Do you do you know how to use things like nunchucks? No, I've never really got in. Yeah. Into the nunchucks, I saw Bruce Lee do and Bruce Lee comes from my school of of. When I say mine, I should. Uh, Wing Chun is kind of his original. Um, martial art, right? That was like yeah. the foundation that he built upon. I think he trained from a guy named Ip Man, which they, you've probably seen some of the movies on Netflix. Yeah, the movie. Yeah, there's a couple of them, right? So, yeah. So, the school that I train at um, is, uh, I think, was like uh, taken down from like a student of Ip Man, if I'm not mistaken. I, I really don't even know. My, I, I'm kind of like, I don't pay attention to all the details. I just kind of like go in there <laughs> and do my thing. I really like my Sifu. Who's essentially like the master or whatever? Um, yeah. He's he's a really nice guy uh, and he's really good at what he does. He's a good competitor. Anyway, yeah, I, I think that it's good to be aware of that stuff. If you ever come to New York to visit, we'll go uh, we'll go check one out together. Um, we could probably dabble if you want. Maybe do a little Wing Chun against uh, Jiu Jitsu if you want. <laughs> yeah, of course, we'll get the nunchucks out and I'll try to defend against you. In the <laughs> yeah, dude. Uh, we're we're uh, aspiring vigilantes here. No, I. <laughs> um, no, that's awesome, loot. I uh, I'll get some some padded nunchucks uh, for both yeah, for uh, both of our benefit. <laughs> yes, please. Um, yeah, man. Michelangelo is, is where that. Uh, I uh, I'm trying to embody my nickname, you know, or yeah. one of my nicknames. Anyway. Um, Dude, that's awesome. So yeah, I'll I'll, I'll go back and listen to uh, some of those names, and uh, yeah, when you come out here, hopefully we can we can explore that. Um, yeah, it's it's great. It's been it's been a great experience over the last year. Well, the uh, the place that I'm I didn't mention it to you, but there's a place that I'm getting in, uh, kind of like spending more time at now, which is this theater slash underground comedy room. There's two. It's like a it's called the Soho Playhouse, and the guy who like runs the place is like an avid. He teaches Wing Chun classes, so we already connect. Like he's a former athlete. He played basketball, so like we right off the bat connected on the sports and martial art uh, thing. Uh, and uh, I think it's going to be really good for comedy, uh, which is a, another conversation. But um, yeah, um, which I'd love to actually talk about. Um, the comedy aspect. So you got the, the is it clickbait? Is that what your um, oh yeah group is called? Your, that's that's an improv group that I'm in. Yeah, it's, it's like a like a team. I guess you could, it is a team, right? Yeah. Um, we've got like eleven people in it, and uh, it's the idea. The guy who kind of started it and invited me. And this is obviously separate from what I was just talking about at the theater thing that I was talking about. This is like a separate thing here. Uh, um, 
this is through UCB, and um, the reason it was started is just to kind of give ourselves more practice and exposure in the world of improv, uh, and it's kind of taking on its own form. You know, we have regular practice once a week. We do shows. Um, it's great for just getting reps in, right? I think comedy, there's a lot of ties between comedy, the, the, tr the non-glamorous side of comedy and the non-glamorous side of football or sports, right? You got to put in the hours in the off season. You got to be lifting. You got to be running. You got to do all these things that nobody, like, it, it's the non-glamorous part, right? I'm not going to say it's not fun because I'm crazy. You know how much I like to work hard. So I'm not going to say it's not fun. It can be it can it it can suck, but um, though you know those are the things that I'm doing behind the scenes in comedy, which is trying to get out every day if I can, doing something for it, even if it's just going to a show to get some FaceTime out there, uh, potentially meet some people that I haven't met before that either run shows or whatever I need to do to further move the ball forward. I'm always making moves, I guess you could say on. You know, it's just like football. It's like, well, I'm not going to sit around right now. I'm going to go run some, some stadiums, you know, yeah. or I'm going to go work on legs right now. So I'm always trying to I'm, – I'm honestly – if I could – I mean, I still rest to, to like, sleep and hydrate and stuff, and I still have a life, but um, I'm literally, like, working as hard as I possibly can – you know, it, it feels like a 24-hour... Even if I'm not literally doing something for comedy 24 hours a day, I'm either thinking about it or there's a reason I'm not doing it at that moment, even if it's like I just need to recharge my batteries for a little bit. But I've... Yeah. You know, when I'm not working, I should say, because I, I do have a job, um, the rest of my life is dedicated to that. Anyway, that's that's a lot about me there. But um, does that answer your question? That's great. Yeah. No, and so, like, I guess going along that same concept of you practicing... Um, is, is there situations where you just go watch comedy? Yes, like uh, and like so, when you go watch it, um, are you like kind of breaking them down? Obviously, when a normal person goes, they're there to listen to material and get a laugh. And I mean, they're with their friends. Maybe they're not really engaged as much as somebody like you, who's probably kind of breaking them down. Yeah, uh, in a manner. Absolutely. Mechanics and things like that. Yeah, I watch it. Yeah, I watch it. I watch comedy differently than than people that are going to spectate and be entertained by it. You know, a consumer. I don't. I don't watch it from a consumer's perspective. I watch it from a an educational perspective. And sometimes, you know, I might have something on and I'll just kick back and just enjoy it for what it is. Um, but for the most part, sometimes I'll watch comedians that I don't even think are funny to learn from them because. There's something, especially if they're successful, I'll, I'll study things. I guess what I'm trying to say is even if it's not entertaining to me, there's some value that I can still extract from watching certain comedians. And I'm not going to mention their names because I don't want to bash them. Like, oh, I don't yeah. think they're funny. But there's, you know, comedy is in a – it's subjective, right? And there's no comedian yeah. out there that's going to, like, hit everybody's funny bone. That's why they call it – finding your audience right yes um so even if i'm not one of those like audience members per se i can still learn so yeah and i'll go to shows and you know you you, you study the timing i sometimes i'll 
I know right when a punchline's going to come or when it needs to come. Um, and I can... I don't ever tell guys that haven't been doing it very long. I don't ever tell them, but I can I can tell the guys that haven't been doing it very long because I I had been there at one point. I can kind of see them thinking through their uh, joke or, you know, like they may not realize why something didn't go well, but I do. Does that make sense? Like, yeah. Well, and like, it's funny when you said, like, you might not think that's funny. I was in my head, I was trying to develop the next question or like a comparison. It's kind of like me being a coach of football versus your couch quarterback watching an NFL game. And I'm by no means I say I'm not a great coach. I think I have a lot of room to grow, obviously. But like when I watch a game, I'm not watching the game like the guy on the couch. Yeah. Who thinks Tom Brady sucks? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, or why did they why did they throw the ball on fourth down or what? You know what I mean? Like why did they go for this or go for that in this situation? Uh, absolutely. I think the average Joe doesn't understand those things, and you're able to break that down at a whole different complex level as like a, a high school football coach or a college football coach when they watch a game they're looking at it in a different way it's not like you said a consumer standpoint it's from a professional's standpoint i guess yeah no i appreciate that you know i i like to i can tell when people are there's different things that a comedian there's different switches that a comedian will hit so what i mean is like there's moments where a comedian will go into their material there's moments where they're going to do something called crowd work it's it's where they engage with the audience and maybe do some improv along with that and then i can tell when they're riffing or or improvising so and some people might be able to pick those things up too even if they're not a comedian but like there's lights that go off in my head if that makes sense yeah. And so if somebody's if somebody's really good at those techniques, is it hard for even you to pick up? Like, are they just so yes. smooth and natural? Yes. Or does it? Okay. Those are the best comedians. Um, yeah. I remember the first time I, well, I shouldn't say it's the first time. I was in LA several years ago with my buddy Jimmy. I'm going there later this week, and we went to a show at the Laugh Factory, and there was one comedian. Well, there were several that we, we, we were just blown away by the level of mastery that they had um, between engaging with the crowd, doing material that was relevant, and then improvising and mixing all three. And literally, our heads were spinning because we couldn't tell what was what, and it was and we, it was constant laughter in, in, involved with that at the same time. So, with those three kind of mechanisms all blending together it, it, it was like comedic mastery it was beautiful it was hilarious you know and it's like you see that and you're like man i want to replicate that somehow that's what i want to give to people you know like i want to yeah. make people feel the way i felt when i watched that um yeah so and i'm able to do that sometimes uh i had a really good unexpected uh show the other night it was a late night show i showed up and they needed someone to to jump in and i i jumped in it was a midnight show and man dude it was it was a great audience and the host did a really good job of warming them up um and the comedians before me so like when i got on stage it was prime and i just i was like able to just pop it it was like a hot knife going through butter um 
like I would do my joke, I'd hit the punchline, and then I had to wait for the laughter to die down time after time with them. Like, and at first, like you're not used to that timing because you're kind of going at your your natural rhythm and pace. Yeah. And I, I consciously had to stop and let, and I, I noticed that if I just didn't speak, like if I if I just stopped and waited, like the laughter was going on for a legit amount of time to where I'm like, wow, like it's almost uncomfortable because I'm not used to, uh, I'm not used to it in the way that um I, you know, I don't mean I don't get laughs, but I I wasn't as like that was I don't know it just it was it was on dude I wish uh, like whoever like some of my friends could have seen that one because the laughter it was just it was like the laughter was contagious and it was building you know what I mean like so was that like was that essentially like your perfect game so far like that was the your, your uh, mastery session I would so say far, I, no I, I appreciate the question I would say it, it's the best one I've had recently but. Yeah. Um, I don't think that I could objectively say that that's my best one because each dynamic or each venue is different and the size of the crowd yeah. is different um, and the stuff that I'm going for. Obviously, I'm always going for laughter naturally, um, but, you know, the size of the – it just – I can't compare it because it's like apples to oranges when it's a different club. What I can say yeah. is I hit it the way I wanted to hit it, and and I felt that before, if that makes sense. Like if I felt yeah, 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 plenty of times where I like was like, all right, that's how you do it, Mike. You know, that's how you do comedy right there. So that I felt that way that night, and I I don't think I could ever even remember. I've been on stage so many times, I don't think I can objectively say like what my best performance is. Um. I couldn't. I, I wouldn't be able to tell you that. I could only tell you what's most memorable for me, if that makes yeah. sense. Um, so I'm kind of spinning off a little bit. It's still in comedy. I actually uh, a kid I train jujitsu with. He's also one of my students at the high school. Um, he actually does, I believe, like Tuesday nights is at the Funny Bone is like a open mic night or something. Or I can't remember which venue he goes to. He goes to a comedy club and just curious like what kind of advice would you give him being um, an 18 year old kid just getting into it what like I'm thinking of Mike Oldred at 18 or whenever your comedy adventures actually started yeah when you were doing stand up what, what would you what would you say to a, a guy like yeah and he's he's your student you said or he just graduated recently um, no he's in he's still in school I he, he's a former student but he's still in school he's gonna graduate this year Okay. Well, first of all, I'd say stage time is is king in the way that it's just like having a gym to work out to. When when Coach Sumner says you can go work out anytime, you know, when we take advantage of that, every hour that we put into it, every like you put in what you get out, right? So yeah. just showing up to the weight room, that's one thing, but actually lifting the weights and how you lift the weights you know, and how intense you work is going to be what you get out of it uh, at the end of the yeah. day. And comedy is is no different. It, it, you don't see results the same way as far as like, uh, you may not like. I'm not famous, right? So someone, I, what I'm trying to say is, you may not see the results in certain ways right off the bat, uh, and some people do. But if he spends time writing 
and he spends time getting on stage and networking and being nice to everybody, respectful at least. You don't have to be fake, but being respectful. Try to be nice if you can. Um, yeah. And and open minded and not like egotistical. I think uh, one of the things that hurts younger comics is they're very ego. Their egos are very sensitive in the beginning, and they think that um, they're God's gift to the comedy world. Um, yeah. You know, so I think that kind of being humble, um, you don't have to agree with things people say, but you don't have to, like, win arguments. You know, just, just do your thing, be nice, and put in your yeah. work, right? So I would say he should... Yeah, he should go do as many open mics, get on stage anywhere he can, and even start something, right? Like, if you can start an open mic or start your own show, regardless of what your city you're in, you're you're doing a good thing, and you're going to learn a lot from it. Um, and I, I, I mean, depending on how – I don't know how far along he is, but he needs to have material. He needs to have, like, a couple minutes – Five minutes. Funny Bone is where I first did my my first set in a club. I was nineteen, um, yeah. and you got to have like your five minutes of material, you know, and you got to be working on that and reworking that. And there's a whole art to it that I could go into, you know, in greater level of detail. But um, I think that if once someone decides that that's what they want to do, I don't know if he's there yet. Or if he ever will be, but th- it changes your how you approach it. I think you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, of course. And like, I just think the art of comedy is amazing, and it really like people don't look at it that way. Like it's not because it's entertainment. You know, at the end of the day, people use it as entertainment and makes you laugh, makes you feel good. But there's so much more to the the concept of stand up comedy. Yeah. Like a normal person doesn't see those kinds of things that you're talking about, like putting in the stage time or putting in the improv time to better your to to kind of better your comedy tools. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate it, Lute. You know. Yeah. It's um it's an art for sure. You know, it's definitely an art. Um. So yeah, dude. I um. Was there any more to that before we? Did I answer the question? No, I mean, we could probably go on forever about that, considering that's your your big um, big part of life. I've said besides your career that brings in your current income, hopefully yeah. that shifts in the future. Yeah, when the time is right. Comedy. Yeah, I'm not in yeah. a rush. I like my job. I, I really, I'm I'm really lucky to um, work with people that I really enjoy. Um, and I like the work that we do, and I think that there will come a time when a transition will be appropriate, um, where it'll be seamless. I think. Uh, yeah. I hope that's the case, at least, to where it's like, hey, we're making this transition. All party, all parties are going to benefit from this at this time. Um, but I'm not in a rush because uh, I'm. Fo- yeah. I enjoy what I do, and I'm focused on uh, mastering the art and and. Um, becoming the best I can be rather than like looking for the results quickly because I'm like in some kind of a rush for it um, I'm more so into the the mastery of it and when the when the time is right you know being able to fly with it you know what I mean yeah I think um, in 
your situation. I think in every situation, persistency is key. Just when you're doing something that you love, that you want to do, I think that's a big point. And be, sometimes it's just luck. Yeah. Like maybe something happened where you just happen to be in the perfect place at the perfect time, but that's not always the case. Yeah. So, and I think I think persistency separates, and I think it's kind of a form of discipline also. Because there's a lot of people that maybe they haven't made it by the time they're 35, so they give up on maybe the comedy aspect. But it's it's not always going to work that way, especially something as unique as comedy. Where I mean, there's guys that got gigs that probably don't ever deserve it and never put in the time. I don't know yeah. much about those people but they just don't seem like they're really that talented and I, I could be totally wrong but no, yeah, this it, is me being like the couch quarterback of football. No, it's true. It, there's there's a lot of that parallel is true for sports and for comedy. You know, it's like the yeah. guys that get scholarships sometimes to a big school and they don't necessarily one deserve it or two aren't worth you know, aren't worth that scholarship. Um, yeah. It, 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 there's guys that slip through the cracks in that way and you know, you're not going to yeah. You're you're only gonna make it so far. Even if you get lucky enough to get a scholarship, you're not. You're. I don't think anybody makes it to the NFL unless they work their butt off and they're talented. Um, you know, because the NFL is such a. It's you know to make it to the NFL is such a difficult. Um, accomplishment that uh, I yeah. think that it, it gets weighted out. So yeah, people get bookings and initial breaks and things like that, but I don't think you can really reach the ultimate tier like if you talk about levels of success unless you've truly put in the work. You know, you you don't yeah. get to Louis CK's level by accident, but you can get like other things that are lower levels of accomplishment by accident and then kind of yeah. it'll die off eventually, you know. Um. Yeah, Louis Louis C.K. is a good example of somebody who has truly mastered the art over decades. You know, and it shows. And he didn't. I don't think he was that famous for a while. I mean, I, he, he his his fame was like very incremental over the course of time. I, from what I know and what I've seen, at least. Um. Yeah. You know, it, it wasn't like over like one day he was working really hard and then the next day something happened and all of a sudden he was famous it was like it was a slow climb you know yeah um but yeah so that's that dude um we're having such a serious conversation about comedy eye-opening though like that's one of the things where i don't i don't understand this stuff so i was interested and just kind of wanted to hear your take on it yeah and i think i look at it different in some ways than some comedians you know i think the fact that i come from the background of a football player or or a sports guy uh that's that's more unique there are comedians out there that come from a sports background too but it is it's more rare to be like a jock per se that does comedy um but that 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 allows me to bring kind of something unique to the table which is cool you know yeah um i think it's uh i mean you being an athlete me being an athlete like there's certain things that are required um from sports that a lot of people don't see 
and I think you develop traits from sports that other people will never understand unless they played sports. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah. There's there's a lot of good things that come out of sports. I think people should consider like ac- uh, athletic accomplishments on like resumes. You know, because that does say a lot. If you're a national champion, 800 meter runner in a Division two school, like you have a certain mental capability that some people don't actually have. They've never pushed themselves to certain extremes of their mind, their body, their soul that some other people that are applying for a similar job or something along those lines. I think it's, I think it is unique. I think having a sports background is very unique and I, maybe I'm being biased. I don't think so. Um, I, th- I think you are tested a lot within sports. Well, I, I completely agree, Lute, you know, and I think, uh, it's obviously my personal choice, our personal choice that we pursued sports and, you know, the benefits do just stack up. I think that, you know, there there's other cool things out there that people can commit themselves to, but I do agree that sports, I definitely agree because of the physical aspect of sports, and even though physical is just one small part of what sports is, that's one of the things that sets sports aside. So, you know, someone might say, well, I'm a dedicated uh, violinist that spent years mastering um, my instrument and I went to Juilliard and I would have great respect for them yeah, of course. and I, you know, I wouldn't say I'm better than you, but I, but I will say that there is something that you get out of the physical part of sports that you can't get from other things, you know, um, the, there's something about physically and I, and I, and I, I choose my words wisely because, you know, physical is still such a small sport part of it because really it's mental um more than anything sports are but yeah um i think there is something to be that we benefit from having been through the physical pain that you have to go through in training for sports and also you know through competition right yeah The, the toughness that that creates even though like when you're working in a corporate environment, you're not physically battling anybody. Um, there's still a, a strong benefit from that fortitude that you get having come from a sports background. Exactly, um, I completely agree. Yeah, we, we uh, our company. I'll, I'll I'll do one. I'm not saying this to brag in any way, but you brought up a point that made me. Sometimes I forget those things, and the president of our company um, was talking about me once before I did stand-up comedy for the company. Um, and he mentioned, you know, he was just introducing me however he wanted to. And one of the things that he knows about me, um, was that I ran a mile in in four minutes and 26 seconds, uh, in addition to having been like a a football player. Right. So like he, he was like, I guess that's what stood out to him and something that he wanted to share with the company. And he, he mentioned that I ran a 426 mile and it was on a bad day, which is true. And you know, even though I know that about myself, like the company, like their head started spinning a little bit, you know, they were like, you could hear the ooze and the ahs, like, like they were impressed by it, which I didn't, I didn't like, that's not something I would rattle off. So someone else has to like notice that and notice that that's unique 
and then like drag and drop that to the right audience. I wouldn't have thought to like showcase that as like a fact about myself. But when he mentioned, yeah. you know, that, then I thought about it. I was like, well, that, I guess that is kind of a, a unique thing, you know, to, to, to. Right. I mean, it's incredible if you really think that. Four minutes and 26 seconds. Like, that's what you said, right? Four minutes, 26? Yeah, 426. Yeah, like, if anybody's ever attempted to run <laughs> a mile, like, that's incredible. <laughs> and, like, it, when it's beyond again it's beyond the physical part that we're sitting here talking about like that is where the mentality comes into play um i think there's even kind of like a a a deep dig into your soul where you kind of are you're sacrificing your body to complete this accomplishment and i think you really kind of find something within yourself that a lot of people don't ever see they don't understand what how they can push their body, whether it's physically, whether it's mentally. Um, it's a really unique thing when you really think about that accomplishment. A, a sub-five mile, that's just, that's incredible to a normal person. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that, Luke. You know, um, you know, you're, you're making, do you remember that was it what was that the name of that movie that you was it Vision Quest that you used to bring up when we would Oh yeah, man, it's a great movie. Yeah. I'll have to watch that again. Um That's fantastic. Yeah. We we talked one. about like Steve Prefontaine before in Vision Quest. I remember we used to we used yeah. to talk about that. Vision Quest, he was a wrestler, right? Yeah. Loud and Swain. That's awesome. Have you have you seen the movie The Wrestler? I know now I'm just like bouncing around. Yeah, with, uh, the Ram Jam, man, uh, Mickey Rourke. Right? Yeah, Mickey Rourke, dude. <laughs> Wasn't his move like the Ram Jam? That was like his signature move. I don't even remember. I just remember like I, at the end of that movie, I was slightly sad. Like, like he yeah. went out the right way, but I was like kind of depressed, like sad for him, you know? Yeah. I heard he's a, a nice guy. I, I read somewhere that he like just I. I I can't remember what it was, but he was like buying, he bought some homeless guy a meal or something, and that's not like some great accomplishment. But yeah, but uh, there was something around that. Anyway, it's just a shout out to him for for a good deed that I, I remember reading somewhere unexpectedly. Nice you see things like that, even if it's, I mean, it's a little. I think it's a little. There's a little more to it when it's a, a celebrity too, you know, because I think they deal with a bunch of. I don't want to say negativity, but just being in the, the spotlight all the time, I think it really wear you down and like go out of your way to do things like that. I think it is really neat. Like, yeah, obviously anybody could go buy a meal for somebody else, but I think it shows a little bit more about a person of, of that um, caliber. Yeah. For lack of better terms. Yeah. Um, Hey man, I, I I this is on the tip of my tongue, so I, I have to bring it up though. I, we have to talk about Jeff Steve for yes, a second. Of course. Um, very, uh, unique, very unique man. And this is of course, guys. This is uh, Terry Steve's son, right? This is our head football coach in, in middle school that we talked about. Uh, Jeff Steve. Uh, I I always liked Jeff, and I remember like he didn't really uh, become. It was after college or after high school that he really kind of evolved into just this like 
hilarious entity that he became. And, and I say that endearingly, right? Um, yeah. He, he wasn't really – he was never like an outgoing kid growing up, but he was cool. Like I, I loved going over to his house. He was a really cool kid. Um, in fact, I think the craziest thing that we did – before we can move on to like some of the crazier stuff he did in life was when we were I went over to Coach Steve's house, you know, Jeff's house once and we played football in their pasture. Um and uh, we there was horse poop everywhere and Jeff was like <laughs> he was like rubbing the poop on himself like at one point like we were all trying to like avoid the poop and at one point he like embraced it and he just like like put it on his head <laughs> and uh, I have so many dress stories dude you should have a podcast with him just confessing some of the things he, he's done he plays to be honest he's I think he's a master of debauchery like he's done so many things he can't remember a lot of the stuff he's done that's kind of like and me in all, some ways that's kind of like me I think it's all an enjoyment you know like it's his thing like he enjoys making people laugh and it was harmless, but, like, it, it's just, some of it was extreme, like you said, like him rubbing poop on his head. Yeah. Like horse poop. I don't want to... I guess it's fantastic. I don't want to, like, ask for a compliment here if it's not true, but do you feel like Jeff and I have that trait in similar? Maybe, I don't think you and yeah, I... No, yeah, I, I think so. Like, I think he was a, a little more reckless. Not necessarily a bad way. Just a great guy, by the way. I think we're kind of maybe portraying him in a negative way, which I don't know. He's a fantastic guy. Yeah, it's all out of love, too. We love Jeff. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure he would appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> you ever heard about it? Yeah. I think he, he would I think he'd eat this up. Um, but, no, I think, yeah, I think you guys are similar. And I don't uh, think you saw the – you didn't see the crazy side of me after I stopped playing football. Um, I really kind of got loose after I hurt my knee in in college. Um, I think, um, but we did hang out. We hung out a couple times, uh, I guess when I was a little bit more wild and that's when Jeff was older. So we were all, this was when we were all single, me, you, Jeff, and and some other guys. And this is when Jeff had a, a, a really nice house in downtown St. Louis. Um, one of the things that stood out to me as just heinous and ridiculous and it makes me laugh every time is he's got this like million dollar house or more like this really nice multi-bedroom house hardwood floors he lives there by himself multiple stories and there's no furniture in the entire house (laughs) and he's got he's got two pit bulls or he did at the time right i should speak in past tense because he's not living there now but um he had two pit bulls and and a closet full of shoes and then he had a table with a marlin sitting on it uh, uh, a mounted marlin yeah well it wasn't mounted right it was just like well, yeah, like yeah it was, it was on, stuffed I, yeah, yeah you're right I don't even think it was on like a plaque or anything yeah, <laughs> yeah it was just a marlin that was like sitting a, it was done at a taxidermist yeah it, but they, <laughs> it, like the taxidermist, yeah, he never like attached it to like a plaque or like anything. It was just the fish, right? It was this big, gigantic marlin fish, and yeah. there's and it's like, how do you even lay? <laughs> it's laying on a physical hard table desk, which like, 
If you can imagine a marlin, like, it's not made to lay flat. And since it's hard, like, there's, like, two points of contact. Like, the bottom, the side of its belly and, like, the back of its fin, you know? (laughs) And I always thought that that was hilarious, that he he never bothered to... That was, like, the only piece of furniture he had. And then I remember that he had, um, like, he was working out constantly, and so he had like protein ba- big bags of protein everywhere and all of his sinks had flies in them did you ever notice that <laughs> like like he like every single bathroom i'd go in there and the sinks had flies flying around them. but i think that's like a great characteristic of jeff is he didn't care who you were he wasn't changing anything for you you know what i mean like he's not cleaning his house because maybe he's dating some girl like he was going to keep everything the way that he wanted it. I know, man. It <laughs> included his rotten protein shake bottles that have not been cleaned in a couple of days. <laughs> oh, that's t- why he's so great. Like, that's a great, like, that's a great thing about Jeff is he doesn't care what you think. Yeah. Dude, you got, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell one Jeff story and then I want you to, to share anything uh, about him or if you have a, a story that you want to share multiple I mean we could probably go on all day so I yeah. I want to I want to talk about you know I say we 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 explore the Jeff category for a second I mean yeah. I remember we were out one night this is kind of that during that era or whatever where we were all single and Jeff had been drink we'd all been drinking and Jeff freaking he, he whips it out and there's this girl like sitting on the sidewalk and he whips it out and puts his junk over his wrist. And he said, excuse me, do, do you know what time it is? And, and, like, the girl looked. She saw it. And she didn't say anything. And, like, I guess, like, we quickly kind of, like, moved on or whatever. Uh, not thinking that it was, like, obviously that's not something acceptable. Um, yeah. You know? Um, and in, in, in Jeff's drunken state of mind, um, you know, obviously... There's a lot I could say about it, and I hope you don't mind that I'm sharing this story. But the, this is the funny thing: is the girl got up and she walked over to him, and you know we 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 didn't think it, like she didn't show emotion, and she literally hawked a, like a loogie and just spit in his face. <laughs> Do you remember that? Like, no, I don't. I don't know if I was there or not. I, fair enough. I, I'm not sure. Yeah. Hilarious. <laughs> This girl spat in his face, dude. And, you know, I mean, it's deserved, obviously. It's an un... I mean, that's the risk you take, right? Like, um... But it was... When she spit in his face, I started crying. I was laughing so hard. Um... You know, just... The the ridiculous of that whole thing. But that's... That's the the Jeff story I have off the top of my head that I wanted to share. I think he would probably appreciate it. Yeah, I think he's a a very unique, great guy. uh, I'm glad I've had a chance to share some of my life experiences with him. Oh, me too. I can just hear him right now saying, hey, let's go get some chicks. Yeah. Yeah. He's fantastic. He is, he's one of a kind, man. Um, do you have any Jeff stories off the top of your head? I have too many Jeff stories. Any that you uh, want to share? Uh, one that's kind of, I think that he would agree. I, I believe he has Crohn's, if that's how you pronounce it correctly, disease. I don't know. I don't even know what that is. Um, well, 
it's uh, a problem with like within your digestive system. To be honest, I don't know specifically, but it, basically, when he went to the bathroom, when he defecated, he never had solid movements. There was five, and there was always what? There was always liquid. Oh yikes! It was liquefied. Um, I don't think he ever took a solid dump since the, the moment I, the, the first time I met him. But um, I was actually working. And we, we lived in a house together in St. Charles, right? Uh, yeah. And brother yeah. owned it. And um, I came home and I walked in the backyard and I said, you got to see what's going on. And Jeff has a measuring tape and he's trying to see how far he can projectile <laughs> shit in the yard and then he's measuring it. <laughs> so, like, that's the kind of person Jeff was. Like, it's just, like, he didn't, he was just like curious about what he would, could potentially do with this circumstance he had, and so he wanted to kind of document it. <laughs> oh, that's fun, man. That's yeah. fun. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything. And Jeff and I grabbed lunch once, and we were talking just about like our lady life, and <laughs> he's like. <laughs> I don't know. I we're kind of in a in a touchy. Uh, I don't know if I'm gonna get into it right now because it's kind of a we're at a time period where stuff can be misconstrued. I, yeah, I'm gonna yeah. avoid that topic, but just yeah, know it, he wasn't being like um, he wasn't being like uh, bad toward women. It was just funny. It was funny to hear like his his way that he talked about like how he goes on dates and stuff. It 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 it, it was very funny. Um, but but yeah, I'll I'll avoid that for now, maybe another time. Um, but the, the truck, I remember he had this big boss truck, you know, um, when we were in St. Louis and I forget the connection, but somehow, uh, anyway, I guess all I can say is he had an awesome, like big rig, you know, and, and pit bulls and he just just drive them around, (laughs) (laughs) you know, just... (laughs) <laughs> I hope he's doing all right, man. How does he? Have you talked uh, to him? I saw a picture of him on social media. Somebody posted. Um, I don't know if he's back in town for good or if he uh, was visiting, but he's 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 muscular again. You know. Like, oh yeah. Through those yeah. stages, and um, he's got hair like down to his shoulders. Imagine him with really long hair. He had oh, he used to shave his head. He he grew his hair. Yeah, it's awesome. It's fantastic. You know who he looks like. You know who uh, Jeff and Terry kind of look like. They've always reminded me of Anthony Hopkins a little bit. Could you see that? Yeah, yeah. Like the eyes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) They always they they look like Anthony Hopkins, dude. (laughs) Um. Imagine Anthony Hopkins with long, grown-out hair. That's probably what Jeff looks like. Um, So, uh, Lute, is there any stories that you remember of me that, like, stand out to you? Like, if you're you're telling older stories, aside from, like, workout stuff, but, like, ridiculous, funny stuff, I don't know if you ever... It's funny you say that, because I always want to go to that. Because I really appreciated your work ethic. Um, So, and I think that's why people listening... That's why you immediately said the workout story. I think you kind of know that I, I did have appreciation for your strong work ethic. Um, 
of my head. I guess I didn't do anything that crazy. Um, well, I don't, I don't think uh, crazy. Like, you mean, like, from a funny, entertaining standpoint, or... What are you, are you yeah, just like a like a Jeff story because I've got I've got those types of stories with some of my friends. Um, yeah, you know, like when I was at Mizzou, you know, like one my one of my ex girlfriend's brother hit me up, or we, no, it didn't hit me up. We were talking once, and he was like, "I'm surprised you're not dead yet," and he didn't mean that in a bad way. What he meant was that I was so such a loose cannon. That he yeah. he was like surprised that I'm still like around, you know, because yeah. of like some of the crazy stuff that I that I used to do. But I don't think I don't think that in the time periods that you and I like spent time together, I don't think I was in that state. Right? It comes in cycles. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah um. Yeah, I don't believe so. To be honest with you. That's cool, man. Well. I, think I kind of missed out a little bit though. Nah. You got to see the the. He couldn't believe you're still alive. <laughs> well, the strong statement. Well, that Columbia, Missouri incident I had, which we don't need to talk about specifics. I don't know if you even know what I'm talking about. Yeah. 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 So that was, uh, I think, that type of behavior. I think is kind of what he was alluding to. You know. Yeah. Um. Anyway. Uh. Well, shit. Uh. Anything. That you want to talk about loot or any anything you want um, to share? I mean, any, uh, just uh, I've really been into reading lately. Yeah, uh, I've been reading. Yeah, um, I think I kind of preach it to my students. Okay. Uh, yeah. The under appreciation that they and the, I think a lot of people in general have for reading, whether it's just entertainment purposes or gathering knowledge. I've been kind of using it as an educational tool for myself. Um, a little bit of philosophy and uh, some leadership. Obviously, that's kind of like I talked about earlier, my my career path. I uh, want to involve leadership positions, so I've been kind of reading things along those lines. Um, yeah, I just want to promote reading. Anybody out there that's not reading, I think you should grab a book. Read when you have a chance. Hey, Lou, you know, I'm over here smiling because I'm imagining Jeff Steve with long hair. <laughs> yes, it's fantastic. I'll send you a picture. <laughs> no, please do. I, I think that that's awesome to promote reading. Sorry to, to interject like that. No, no uh, way, man. That's, but, so, that's the fun of the podcast. <laughs> people listening, and we're all over the place. There's nothing wrong with that. We've been yeah, no. Very uh, serious. I, and then we talked about measuring projectile. Species. Yeah, we we really hit the full spectrum. I would say I was actually going to ask you if you had any any bits of uh, wisdom or things like that. So I'm glad you mentioned reading. Um, do you have any 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 bits of wisdom that you picked up that you care to share right now with the with the listeners, specifically something that maybe intrigued you? Or I think just as far as reading goes, I think you should just find something that you enjoy and grab gravitate towards that from like a, a, su a subject standpoint and I think it's like comedy or working out the more you read the better you're going to get at it the more you're going to understand the more efficiently and effective you're going to read you'll get you'll grasp more from the, the readings um, and I think it's under a 
as far as educational. I, I think there's people that think they're not good enough to do things, and I think they took the time to kind of dig a little deeper and to venture out on their own individually. I think they can accomplish a lot more than they put their mind to this. Especially yeah. just reading. I think it can mold you into the kind of person that you want to be. Yeah. Yeah, I agree, Lute. I, I, I personally have never been... That was my worst score on the ACT. I've never been good at reading, so I've kind of... That was sh- mine too, actually. Good for you for not letting I'm that stop you, man. I've always kind of been... My job has forced me to read more, which is good, because it's forced me to become better at it. Um, and uh, I do think that there is such a, a positive... I agree with you uh, that that reading, you know, you can just extract so much from it. It can be a very enjoyable thing, and it can also just be, you know, good for gathering facts and information. You know, there's there's a lot of benefits for it, reading and writing, right? I, yeah. I write for comedy, so I'm always documenting notes, like in my OneNote. I'm like, I have like daily writing sessions, daily observations. I don't just force it, you know. Sometimes I try to, but if something happens that catches my eye, I'll, I'll write it. You know, I'll write it down. So reading and writing are, are really, um, really good stuff. Do you, um, do you have? I, I guess the last thing I'd say, unless there's anything else that you want to talk about or ask about, I would say my last question for you would just be about health. I know that you've coached health in the past, PE and health, physical education. If there's yeah. any like bits of wisdom for people that want to. You know, just anything that you want to share, right, that you would like to leave people uh, with? I think a really big thing is people jump on fad diets, um, and I try to preach to my kids. Obviously, they can be in very difficult situations where they probably don't have a lot of say in the food they're eating, so it's just I kind of give them that disclaimer. I can't understand that you can't really make decisions right now. Actually, starting on Monday, um, my class begins – we, we start a nutritional unit and I drag that out because we do a lot of informative stuff on it. And I think that's a big problem in the world today, but even more specifically the United States. Mm-hmm. But um, I think it's bad to follow the fads Yeah. as far as dieting. Um, I try to tell them it's a lifestyle of eating habits. It's not a diet. A diet's a very tricky word. And when I think of diet, I think of something that somebody does for a while or some new Atkins or whatever the other diets are right now that are out there. Um, I do think they can definitely have a negative impact just because they are kind of faddish where something new is going to come along that's kind of altered a little bit. Yeah. That's and good. I would say specifically, I mean, stick to things that aren't processed. If you're trying to lose weight, if you're trying to just kind of feel better, avoid things that are processed. And my, my, in my house specifically, um, since I've had my son, time management has become a lot stronger with it. So I know that I have certain things I got to get done and I really like to cook his food. I like to cook our food. So I kind of put a, a set of, a point in time every day, about an hour, where I know that I'm going to spend that cooking, preparing our meals um, for dinner, and then we also take the dinner leftovers and where I prep them for our lunches the next day. So 
A, it's lunch is done, and then B, I'm kind of being financial, financially a little more um, cognitive. Yeah, you're thinking a little better. That's great. But, uh, yeah, stick to unpro- the things that are not processed, fruits, vegetables, fresh food, and then obviously I, I'm an advocate for meat. I think there are a lot of benefits to consuming meat. Actually, that's that's a big uh, controversial thing. Talk about that. Yeah. Like, what what are what is it that, um, from your perspective, that you've studied that? What are the benefits of meat? If you don't mind me asking. Um, I think just the, the protein obviously is very important. Um, it builds tissue within the body. And it, it's it's hard to get in other ways. And animal fats. They have certain things, certain certain nutrients and minerals that we need that you might not get through other courses as far as like alternatives for for protein. And again, that's kind of like the fresh aspect. Like I don't want to be eating something to processed protein, like a protein shake even for a matter. Like I don't really think that's the best the best thing out there for it. I think eating a piece of meat is going to be your best way to get protein in yeah. your body. Organic. Well, I appreciate you sharing that. And again, you're, I mean, it's controversial and you could have, I think you could have great conversation from both sides of that. Yeah. As far as somebody that chooses not to eat meat versus somebody that does eat meat. And it's, I mean, obviously there's no complete right answer right now because if there was, we'd be we'd all be doing the exact same thing yeah you know it's funny um that that reminds me i was doing comedy last year i forget when but i was doing this joke about how i saw this rat in the subway and i talk about how empathy is my greatest strength which is true i I had to take a strength finder assessment for work so anyway i go I, i develop like bits about that um, and I talk about how I saw this rat in the subway and this guy tried to kick the rat into the tracks, which was true. And I kind of like talk about it from an empathetic perspective about how I was kind of like bothered when I saw that. And I kind of like exaggerate all this stuff and just say some silly stuff about it. Um, and somebody in the audience screamed out, are you a vegan? Or I don't even know what it's vegan, vegan. I don't know. Are you a vegetarian? Whatever he said, vegetarian, I, I really don't even know. And I was like, what? What the? What kind of heckle is... Are you heckling me? I can't even... It, it, to me, it seemed really random. And then after the show, I kind of like ignored his question. I don't even remember what I said, but I, it didn't make sense to me why he was asking that. And after the show, he's like, hey, man, are you, you're vegan, right? And I was like, what? And he's like, you, you, you said you love animals, so you're, you don't eat them, do you? And I was like, oh... No, I'm not a vegan, bro. Like I, I, st- I still eat animals, you know. Like, you know. Rats. Yeah, I, you know. Yeah, and, and he and he and then he called me a hypocrite. You know, <laughs> he called me a hypocrite because I said that I love animals, and then he said, "But you turn around and eat them, right?" You know what? That's like that's a very funny moment. Like people are so unique. <laughs> you really think of like that guy that's such a unique thing like he heckles you in the crowd then he tries to be like 
compassionate towards you, but then flips it on you. Yeah. It's fantastic. I mean, it's it's hilarious the way some people's minds work. Dude, and and you know what? It was weird because he came in to watch me. He came in with his friend. They were like, uh, like. I don't know what what's a like a, a monk apprentice? You know what I mean? <laughs> like yeah. I think they were like monk apprentices, you know? <laughs> I don't know <laughs> the word for that, but like which which like obviously uh I don't think he had achieved the highest level of monk mastery, otherwise he wouldn't be so judgmental, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. Like I think he was uh he was he was judging me, you know? And um it, it did at least get the wheels turning in my mind, you know, it, it at least, it, it forced me to think about it for a second and, like, evaluate that, you know, like, I'm just kind of, I, I thought, and we don't need to go in, into it right now, but it, it made me think, you know what I mean? <laughs> so. Yeah, that's, that's hilarious, though. The, the monk apprentice planted a seed in my mind that made me think. <laughs> so. <laughs> And that was the last thing he said to me. It was kind of like a, like a, it was kind of like a, a diss. I don't know. Like, it, it like, it kind of like messes with your head a little bit. Like, it, it, what exactly was that goodbye? <laughs> Did you like the show or what, bro? You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like, that's fantastic. That's great stuff, man. It's, we live in a very complex, funny world. Yeah. Just the the people that you, over the course of a lifetime, engage with can be just the extreme <laughs> ends of both yeah. realms, like very serious and just very bizarre, like love, hate. I mean, hate's kind of a hard, uh, strong, you probably didn't I know what that, you, but... Well, I know what you're saying. Yeah. The full spectrum. There's, yeah, there's a lot of... kind of... He, he definitely was on the... Uh, the negative spectrum. Yeah, he was bizarre. <laughs> he was bizarre. Oh, that's like, <laughs> you could, oh man, we could talk forever about people. And dude, yeah, engaging. New, to be honest, conversation or just dude coming across the person. Yeah, New York, like New York is oh, so crazy, dude. Like all the all the different types of people here, it will blow your mind and. You know, it's like Missouri is pretty conservative, and um, there's certain like things to to expect, right? Like uh, as far as how people like act in society, New York, you just like anything goes, dude. Like people people don't judge you no matter what you do in New York because everything is so bizarre. So I would stand out in Missouri because I'm kind of like I dance to the beat of my own drum, you know, Jeff, Steve, you know. That type of behavior, it's going to stand out. But in New York, like, everything, everything good, bad, and normal, too, just everything is just, like, in this giant bowl of craziness. So, like, nothing's crazy. You know what I mean? Like, if you take yeah, it, no. if you take it, Continue. what's up? Continue, I'm sorry. I cut oh, you off. No, no problem. Uh, like, I saw a dude in the subway... I saw this guy in the subway laying face down on the floor, and as I as I started to walk toward him, he got up and he pulled his pants up, <laughs> 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 and he didn't like apologize. Like he didn't 
he didn't feel shame. He didn't. I don't know what he. I think he was going to the bathroom, you know. But he didn't. Like, he just and then he hopped. He he hopped the fence where you like swipe your card to go in. Like he didn't even. He didn't even pay, dude. He just he like either poops or pees on the on the floor and then just casually hops the, the fence. It's like two crimes at once. Oh, another dude. I gotta tell you this. Another dude. I see, he's in the subway and he's unscrewing the fluorescent light bulbs and he's just taking them out and stacking them up in the corner and you can tell he didn't work for like the city. I think he was just casually stealing them right in front of everybody. Like... Staring at people as they're looking at him, wondering what's going on. He's he's stealing in front of everybody and just uh, collecting the fluorescent lights, dude. <laughs> oh man, what a what a great thing to be a part of, New York City. <laughs> yeah, bro, you, I'm excited for you to come out here at some point, whenever yeah, that is. I got it. We're, yeah, I've talked to Melissa about we're gonna make it work. Um, yeah. I've heard great things. I mean, like, obviously, it's a great city, um, partially for that reason. Like, just the unique interactions you have. Basically, nothing is... Uniform. Yeah. It's it's great. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a very worldly city. There's a lot of foreigners here, both foreign to New York and, and, and also out of different countries. Sometimes yeah. people don't speak English, you know, and it's just, you, you, you never know what you're going to see, right? And I don't notice it as much because I'm kind of more numb to it now, I'm more used to it, I've been here, but like coming in like on a vacation, I think the stuff stands out a lot easier and, and it, it becomes more entertaining because you're like, you're seeing it with a fresh perspective. Yeah. Um, You've been kind of desensitized to it. Yeah, I still try to notice it. I still try to take an active notice, but um, it's almost when you're not looking for it that stuff happens. Like, I don't, I don't know if you want to hear this quickly, but like, there's the other day, like, there was people like sleeping on the train where people are supposed to be sitting, and there's only so many seats, right, on in the subway. Yeah. And like watching, what wa doing the people watching, watching the people that were frustrated try to wake up the people that were sleeping, was so funny because they were like rude to them, you know. Like they started just like yelling at them, you know. Like, They're like taking the shoe off and beating the sleeping person. I wouldn't be shoe. surprised. I wouldn't be surprised, dude. It's people. Oh man, it, it just the the absurdity. I don't the, now. I'm getting all these like flashbacks of just random weird things that I've seen. I've seen. Do you have you remember in Home Alone two the pigeon lady? Yes. There's a pigeon guy in New York, um, like a real pigeon guy, like the pigeon lady's significant real other. Like he's like in, in a specific park and he's always got pigeons around him, and it's just like, what is this, dude? <laughs> um. I don't know, but yeah. Um, That's fantastic, man. It's again, it's such a unique world we live in. Yeah. Well, loot. Is there anything else on your end, bro? No, man. I'd love to. I'd love to do this again in the future. I think it was. 
it was a good experience for me. I think this is my debut on any podcast, uh, and I appreciate you having me. It's an honor. Um, it was a great time. I, I'd love to do it again in the future when when you need when you need a fill in spot. Yeah, dude. Absolutely. Well, I've I've loved having you, bro. You know, it's always fun catching up, and why not ki- why not to feed two birds with the same seed by doing it you know by catching up and doing this podcast so um i'm sure that the listener the listeners love getting to know you a little bit and some of our shared experiences um and guys thanks for listening um hope you guys have a great week bye bye thank you for listening by the way am i the only one who's horny